You're listening to Coding Blocks. Uh, do I say the episode at the top of this show? I don't think I do. You're just, whatever. Hey, you know, can we just, let's do it. Let's, can we change the opening from now on? Like, does it have to be, do we have, uh, you're listening to Coding Blocks, whatever. You probably figured that out already. Yeah, I'm Michael. I'm Joe. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> I'm Alan. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to break him, Joe. We're going to have to. temperature, my body temperature just went up like five degrees. The, the look of panic on his face oh, was man. just, I wish everybody could have seen that. Did you I screenshot wait. that, by the way? Maybe that I'm should not. be the hero image for this this episode, is the look of panic on Alan's face when I didn't do whatever the normal intro is. But you know what's funny about that? Out of the three of us, I'm probably the most off the cuff guy. Like I'll, I'll go on vacation tomorrow. Like I don't need to plan for it. But this, we're 216, ten years times, in times times of this. <laughs> How are you gonna change it today? Anyways, all right, okay. So with that, this particular show, see, so we skipped all the fun stuff at the top. We're going to start um, to talk about open telemetry. And we'll get into what that is here in a minute. But first, we do have a little bit of podcast news. So, as always, uh, we're going to let Michael take a stab at this. It's always me. It's always me. All right. So, uh, yeah, we want to say thank you to those that left us a review. So, from iTunes, we have uh, Lin June. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And Scott339, because the previous 338 were already taken. That's right. But That's thank right. you both for uh, your your reviews. We really appreciated reading those. All right. And then next up, so I finally did what I mentioned I was going to do like, I don't know, four episodes back or something where I was going to walk through and try and get ChatGPT to actually write an application for me by me just sort of telling it what I wanted. And so I made that video. It's about 30 minutes long. Uh, my recommendation is drop it on 1.5 or 1.75 X, but I, to me, it's still super cool. Like I even went back and watched it afterwards and it's, it's very neat. If you've been using chat GPT to answer development questions and all that, that's, that's super cool. I do it as well, but to see what it can actually do for you from scratch, like treating it like you're a project manager or a product manager and just telling it what you want. It's kind of a cool perspective. So, uh, you know, go check that out. It's kind of fun. And how did you have to deal with all your dependency management for that? Was it like handled for you or? <laughs> we didn't get there. <laughs> we didn't get there. And the credentials, oh. like, did it? No, just kidding. I didn't ask about that. I didn't ask about that. But yeah, no, I mean, seriously, though, like, it's still sort of mind blowing to me what you can do with it, even though it may not be perfect, but it's still very cool. All I'm right, waiting for so, somebody to submit an app to the app store that was written entirely in chat GPT. Oh, it's going to happen. If it sure. hasn't oh, already. No, it can't. No, you know, it, it can't. And I'll tell you why. Because if you ask it to make a UI for you, it'll tell you that it cannot. But it can give you some pointers on it, which is kind of interesting. So maybe in the next version. I don't know. I've better. heard previous. I've heard in other podcasts where people have described where they did get UIs out of it. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I asked it, I was like, Hey, can you put a UI on it? And it was like, no, I can't, I don't know how. Maybe the questions were asked differently. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I guess if you lead it directly, you might could get it to build you some forms and stuff possibly, 
But Dear ChatGPT, as a as a UI developer, how would one write this? <laughs> right? Yeah, you, you have to trick it. And you oh. have to say dear chat GPT before. <laughs> right. like, Definitely. We have to be polite. This is modern society. Like, what are we doing? I do like it that it always replies with something like, certainly. It, yeah. it, it, to me, it reminds me, it, what, what's, there's an old cartoon where it's, certainly. That's not <laughs> a cartoon. That's the Three Stooges. The Three yeah. Stooges. That's it. There it is. Yeah. yeah. It says it's always. important to a lot. Like, it's important to remember. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. It's funny. The one comment I got was like, you know, having listened to the podcast so long, I'm I'm surprised it took you so long to get into it. Um, that's fair, but it's also fair to say that I did the initial type thing of that like several months back, and I just got around to recording doing it again. Right. So, uh, either which way, it's still fun, still cool to try. You know, I as a follow up though, uh, as a similar follow up, there was that. Um the what was the Kafka one that we talked about a while back as a tip of the week that I think Joe gave like K A Dent or something? No, I gave it from Micro G. Eh. Uh, I tried it and I couldn't get it to work. I was curious to see if you guys ever tried it, but at least in my environment, I could never get it to to work. So I wasn't sure because I wasn't paying for it either. So I wasn't sure if that was like why I wasn't able to get it to connect. I haven't tried. I was running I'd a cluster like in GKE and mm-hmm. trying to use it there. So, so I was like relying on port forwarding and things like that. And I'm like, well, I don't know if it's because of, uh, you know, the licensing, like I'm not running this locally. Yeah. For the possibly, free you know, I don't know. You know, it'd be interesting. So that? I'm going to be giving a talk to some people here soon on telepresence. I wonder if you could possibly trick it with that. And we might even do a show on it. I know that I've mentioned it as a tip of the week, but like I've gotten deeper into it and it's, it's got some amazing stuff. So it was um, anyway. a deck was the name A-A-Deck. of it. deck. Yeah. Yeah. I only use Kafka Tui now. Kafka Tui. Wait. Oh, was that, that was one of the Tui's that you talked about last episode. I don't remember. I haven't, I haven't tried this one, but there is one. Yes, That's there pretty is. cool. Hey, you can look at consumer groups. You can, yeah, look at logs, Kafka, brokers. I'm going to uh, drop this in the show notes here. You need more twoies in the world. Even though, even though it doesn't matter if we put them in the show notes because apparently we just won't even read them. So, <laughs> you know, uh, because we didn't even do the opening. So here we go. Let's, <laughs> let's get into Well, we did the pre- new opening. Yeah. That's what it's like now. And yeah, that's the world, <laughs> that's- yeah. You just right. start, Let's hit record, and I got, go. I got to get with it. Yeah. All right. Come on, All right. Boomer. So, so here we go. <laughs> boomer one, open <laughs> telemetry. So actually, Jay-Z brought this up a few, maybe a month ago now, maybe a little bit longer. It, first off, the website is opentelemetry.io. And I want to point out a few things. So this is a quote unquote incubating project on the CNCF, which is the cloud native computing foundation. So incubating that in me triggered memories of Silicon Valley with the incubator. (laughs) I was like, I don't really know that we should be using software that comes out of this incubator. Um, You didn't trust the middle out compression algorithm from Pied Piper. Right. So it's, it's important to know that incubating means this. It actually says it on their site. Projects used in production by a small number of users 
with a good pool of contributors. So it's actually technically production ready code that just hasn't been like widely adopted yet, I guess is probably the best way to put that. So you shouldn't be left out to dry. You know, like if, if something goes wrong with it, you actually have a community to reach out to. And there are contributors to that community that are probably fixing bugs and doing that kind of stuff. Right. So that's, that's really where this is at. But production and wild, wildly, uh, widely, wildly supported, like, uh, various cloud providers, various tools, like, um, what you call it, uh, Grafana just added support for it. Um, pretty much anything that you're going to be using, if it's another open source tool and it does anything sort of like telemetry ish, it's probably going to have some sort of connector and be able to use it. But yeah, production ready. No, no, it's being used in production. Yeah. But so that's you what said, I'm you said production ready. And that was the part I was taking issue with is like, uh, I don't know that I would like, it's, it's hard, right? Yeah. I mean, it's being used in production in places. So, so I guess that's that's better. I have than, shell scripts that are being used in production. Does that mean? <laughs> so, so you should be happy with this, right? <laughs> well, let's look at other things that are cloud native incubating projects and see if any of these spark joy. Okay. Hey, and we'll have we'll have links to Open Telemetry and the CNCF also. So that's where Joe's getting ready to go. So it's CNCF.io. Is the cloud native computing foundation? Oh uh, yeah, well, uh, we're not using any of these. <laughs> there you go. All right, so but you should feel so, comfortable. So hit me with, with some one. names. Hit me. Uh, yeah. Uh, so there's going to be stuff that you heard of that we've talked about a little bit sometimes, but nothing uh, like I, I thought there were more. Uh, Thanos, um, Falco. I'm just like hitting the ones that like we may have touched on before. Uh, let's see, Cilium, Prometheus. Dude, Prometheus is incubating. That's absolutely being used. Yeah, it's absolutely being used all over the place. Kubernetes is shown as... Oh, no, this is graduated. I didn't scroll down to... Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Man, it was supposed to take me there. See, there you go. Uh, So so I wouldn't necessarily call it uh, production ready just because it's in production in some places, right? I I think that's the point that they're trying to... I think that's that's what they're trying to clarify, you know, the, the point that they're trying to make. It is used in, a, in production by a small number of users with good pool of contributors. So gRPC is considered incubating, which is hugely adopted all over the place. One place. No, <laughs> gRPC is used by tons of stuff, right? Yeah. So, so at any rate, yeah, I mean, look, just like anything, you know, you, you have to look into it, see if it's going to fit whatever you need to do. But let's get into some of, I mean, that's fair because even if it is like quote production ready, you know, like you're still going to have to like support it. So, you know, SQL server has been around for how many years, but you know, you're still going to have to support it. Wait, you actually have to do things with it. I thought it just ran. (laughs) Maybe not so much. All right. So let's get into what is actually open telemetry. It's a collection of APIs, SDKs, and tools that are used to instrument, generate, and collect and export telemetry data. Okay, that's a, that's a whole bunch of keywords, right? A whole bunch of buzzwords. So I purposely didn't go through these because I, I wanted to play like the the questionnaire guy, you know. All right. So when you say that though, that means it that makes it sound more like it's a standard of like, Hey, here's the things like, you know, there might be some libraries out there for it. Right. Uh, for the, for the APIs and SDKs, but it's, it's not like, um, or maybe it is more like, uh, Oh, what was that one? It starts with the J. Um, 
that we were using. Oh, Jaeger. Uh, Jaeger. It actually, I believe, brought Jaeger into the project as one of the things, right? Uh, Jay-Z, you've probably looked into this more, but I want to say that it encompassed Jaeger. Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember the lineage because there was uh, like Open Telemetry kind of came out of like a combination of a couple of projects. I'm trying to look it up now, like uh, Open Census and something else. Um, and so we were using Jaeger briefly, uh, but it does. I, I don't think we were using Open Telemetry at the time, but I'd be surprised if it didn't use it now. So it did. There's actually a page that says that it did have Jaeger. It had a Jaeger agent collector and gesture in one. It says not to use it because it was experimental and discontinued. So my guess is they probably replaced it with something that was similar, but more bespoke to what they were trying to do. But yeah, so we were using open tracing with it at the time. Yep. And, and really, so to, to your question outlaw, yeah, there's tons of libraries around this thing already. So Really what open telemetry, and we'll get into this as we get further along, it'll make a little bit more sense, but it's a collection of tools that come together that basically help you analyze your software's performance and behavior, right? So, so I think it's only been a couple episodes back. We were all talking about the fact that, you know, you need logging, right? You need really good logging, but logging a lot of times doesn't connect the dots for you, right? Like you'll see a log and then you have to go trace down something somewhere else and you have to go find something somewhere else, right? And same thing with dashboards, like Grafana dashboards or anything like that. Like it's telling you something, but now you got to go look through the logs and try and find stuff, right? So the whole goal of this is to make everything a little bit more um, observable. So so to to paint a, a picture as like why you want this or what this is doing, for those that may not have ever experienced this, if you, if you do any kind of like, let's say you just had like a simple... Uh, uh, or I think you know the, the old school three tier architecture. You know the web server, the app server, and then some kind of database, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to trace like something's happening, and you're not sure what. So you go looking through your Apache logs, and you're like, okay, well, I see the request came in here, and then you go digging through. And you might have your app tier logging out something too. So you go digging through that kind of log, and you're like, okay, I see that happen here. And then in your database here, you often don't have anything. You're just like, you know record was changed, you know, right. maybe you have some kind of uh, history on that table, but you know, maybe not. And so you're trying to piece together what happened. The idea here is that what if you lived in a world to where that request comes in from the user, they clicked on a button to initiate some action or whatever they did to initiate the action. And there was an identifier that followed that request through every part of the system from that from the web server to the app server to the database server etc so that you could you could follow along every part of the journey that that request took to and from like on its way back round trip right so that you could see like oh this is this is where things went sideways and you know i'm i'm just describing those three tiers like but it would if it was like more complicated a more complicated environment right especially in like a streaming data kind of world you know where uh something's coming through so that's the idea that we're trying to start when we talk about like uh open telemetry and uh uh jaeger what was the other one you mentioned jay-z the uh something tracing uh, open um, tracing and open census, both of which yeah. are kind of uh, deprecated. Right. But, but the point being is that, like all of those kind of things, we're trying to solve this issue of like, I want to be able to follow 
from a all the way through Z, like the single request, not have to like try to piece it together by, okay, well, this server was configured in UTC and this was the timestamp where that request happened. And this other one is in Eastern time zone. And here's where it's request happened. Cause you remember those days were awful. Mm. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, so open telemetry is definitely, uh, definitely encompasses that, but I think it's also a lot more. It's a lot of other stuff. Like that was kind of like the open tracing side of it, which it like brought in, but then there was the open census side, which I don't really, uh, I'm trying to figure that out now. Well, here, let's, let's go through some of it because I think we'll end up touching on a lot of what it is. So, uh, one of the key things here is open telemetry is available across, uh, multiple languages and frameworks. So if you just go to open telemetry.io, and and you go to the uh, it's maybe the getting started or something. At any rate, they'll have a whole list of languages down the side that they support with various libraries and frameworks and things. So it instrumentation are, documentation shows instrumentation. It. Yep. Yeah. So there's a ton. So let's get into a few of the things about uh, what what they're actually trying to accomplish. Right. So again, it's all about observability. So what they call it is they want to be able to understand the system from quote the outside. Right. And what they mean by that is they don't want you to have to be able to understand the inner workings of a system to be able to see what's happening with the system. Right. Like you should be able to look at some sort of view of it without knowing the Java code or the .NET code or whatever and see what's happening. So their whole goal is to be able to troubleshoot difficult problems and answer the why is this happening question without ever cracking open a source editor, right? Like that's the goal. <clears throat> so to answer these questions, this is really important. They say that the application must be properly instrumented. And so like Outlaw just mentioned, uh, he saw the, the various different languages under the instrumentation. That's why. So it says, to make sure an, an application is properly instrumented, that means that it must emit signals like metrics, traces, and logs. And you know it's properly instrumented when you can completely troubleshoot an, inch, an issue with the instrumentation that you've put in place, right? So that is that is the big thing right there. You're not having to jump around and go look here and then go back to the source code and see, oh, well, it went through this method. And then it, No, you should be able to look in one place and see it. Um, hey, I found a list of uh, vendors on Open Telemetry's website, uh, just kind of Googling around, and, uh, and it's a huge list. And this is just like companies that make tools specifically kind of in this area. So like Honeycomb, AWS, Azure, stuff like that. Also, like Datadog, you know, it makes sense that Datadog is going to be able to, to process that data. Elastic, uh, there's just a ton of them. GCP, pretty much any major cloud vendor or product has support for Open Telemetry. And it says, so this page is pretty cool. It says it's a non-exhaustive list of organizations offering solutions that consume open telemetry natively. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it makes sense. If you're doing any sort of like telemetry, which, you know, just kind of basically speaking, like the time I first heard telemetry about a project, it was like publishing stats about what customers were using and what features they had turned on and how often, you know, they were using it and stuff like that. Um, so it, it kind of makes sense if you're building a, any sort of product that you're going to be uh, shipping to customers or, you know, obviously your own product too, that it makes sense to support open telemetry because you can plug it into so many different things. Yeah. And, and I think the, the thing that led Jay-Z down this path and, and really makes a lot of sense, especially if you're living in a world with microservices and stuff is if you don't have some sort of standard way of doing this, it's really tough to tie 
your requests together across different things, right? Like you could write a ton of code to try and make that happen. This standardizes it. And that list that he just provided there gives you a really good reason to use this because now you don't have to work as hard to be able to visualize what, what you've got. So yeah, like if you've got a, a Grafana and Prometheus already set up and you've got a .NET app, there's probably some sort of .NET open telemetry library that's going to publish a bunch of, like a base set of stats that are useful to you that you can plug right in like today. Yes. Okay, so in my example before though, like you called out, well, that's just focus on more on the tracing aspect of it. You're saying this also encompasses <clears throat> like the observability metrics that we had previously talked about, I think related to like the the SRE book from Google um, for as an example, right. Or even the DevOps handbook, right. Like it's, it's also being able to see like to alert, like, Oh, Hey, you're, you're hitting, you know, 90% CPU utilization on your server. You might want to do something about that. Like that sort of thing. So there, there is a section dealing with metrics. Uh, I don't know how comprehensive that is compared to like a, you know, Prometheus style thing. Um, but I do know you can get at least some base metrics, but also, um, things like what service endpoints are being called. Um, if you've, if you've got a, like a front end hooked up to it, you can do like what web pages are being hold, called, what URLs, uh, how many sessions, you know, stuff like that. That's a little bit more, um, I'm sure you can get that same thing from metrics, but you're probably going to be either relying on your framework to do some of that work, or you're going to be doing some more custom work yourself. So after the break, we'll be getting into more of the specifics of the different types of things that it offers. But along those lines, I don't think it's it's not going to do like what a Prometheus does. What it does more of, and Jay-Z and I have experienced this in the Java world, is uh, I, I think by default, I can't remember exactly what the Java library is for exposing metrics, but it's, they have some sort of standard-based library that's kind of a pain in the butt to use because like if you want to add multiple labels to it, it's a really weird, funky way of doing it. Or you could use the Prometheus uh, SDK that they provide and expose metrics that way. I think what OpenTelemetry does is just give you a library that you can use that is a way to say, hey, here's a counter, here's a histogram, whatever. And then it's just a more standardized way of doing it instead of using a Prometheus client or or the Java base one or whatever, right? That's that's really what it's giving you is just a way to expose the metrics from your application. Right, still Prometheus, needs something. Prometheus is a is a database. You know, it's got like a, right. a API that you can query. It's it's kind of a, a lot of other things too. So Open Telemetry is just a protocol. Yeah, it's just to be able to expose to it. The way that they actually put it from Open Telemetry is it's a way to emit signals. So it gives you a way to emit metrics from your application in a standard way, well, a way to emit logs. Well, that's what I was trying to like emphasize then, because like, you know, the example that I gave was clearly just focused on tracing from A to Z, like the path that that, that request took. But I'm like looking through some of the um, links in here. Oh, wait, that took me off to a Microsoft documentation. But it, it clearly seems to be more it's than more. just... Yeah. That like they're 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 you know calls and APIs for talking about performance and everything. Yes, but it gets it does get a little bit confusing too because some of the documentation from Open Telemetry took me over to Microsoft, so maybe that's where I'm making some confusion. Yeah, let's let's come back to it after the break. Uh, so first, we, we need the uh, we need the outlaw. I ain't too proud to beg moment here. 
Oh, <laughs> maybe I am too proud to beg. Why? Why? <laughs> Have you ever known me to, to beg? The salt and pepper reference. Okay. Well, yeah, of course I didn't. Of course I missed that. You kidding? So, uh, yeah, as I didn't say earlier, um, if you haven't already left us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. You can find some helpful links at www.codingblocks.net slash review. And it's crucial that you use that www. And in fact, you should probably also include the S, the little S, in your HTTP uh, S thing. So, yeah. All right. Well, with that, <coughs> this is Jepper Blocks. Coder <laughs> DB? Co- Coder Jepper. Co- Co- that hurts. I can't say it. The evolution okay. of this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, that hurt. Um, okay, where are we at? So this is episode 216. So according to Tuckco's trademark rules of engagement, Jay-Z, you go first. Oh, yeah, here we go. And your uh, categories are, whose line is it anyway? Got a bridge to sell you. Pitch perfect. Classic kids books. Yes, chef or Q-Force. And each response begins with Q. Wow. Um, geez. Uh, this, uh, t- let's go kids' books, I guess. Okay, classic kids' books. One, two, three, four, or five level. How, how, how sure are you? Four. Four? Ooh, I like it. <clears throat> you read some kids' books. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Problem is, this one goes off with another, like, you know, proper noun, which is like my Achilles heel. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Any capitalized <laughs> name is over. Yeah, in, uh, <laughs> in a book by Johanna Spirey, this title, orf- this title orphan is sent to live with her grandfather in the Swiss Alps. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I don't know this at all. Uh, so just give me one more second to think. I actually uh, do, and I can't think of it. Uh, what is little orphan Annie? <laughs> no, it's not Annie. It's for uh, the steel, Alan. It's not even the title. It's not Pippi Longstockings. <laughs> no, doggone it! What Heidi oh, Green Gables? Heidi, Heidi. Oh. oh wow! Oh man. That's classic for sure. It okay. is. So, uh, Alan, it's your turn. Your category choices are Cats Through Time, Uh-oh. Biology, Holidays and Observances, Adverbs That Make Your Day, that They All End in L-Y, Variety, or Hollywood Reporter. Adverbs. For 400, please. Adverbs that make your day for four. Well, you mean the, the fourth? That level four. Fourth level level four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A body part starts this word meaning cordially in a more exuberant sense. It's the way you welcomed. It's the way we welcomed you to the stage. Of course, this is, you know, I didn't welcome what? you to the stage, but, you know, pretend that I had. Uh,. Could you repeat that one more time there, Alex, Mike? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, although now it's like... Uh, Miriam? Ken. 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 I am. Oh. 
Hi, I'm, I'm, there I go, messing up a name again. Why did I even try? Why do I set myself up for this? So a body part starts this word meaning cordially in a more exuberant sense. It's the way we welcomed you to the stage. And this ends in an L-Y. Uh, I, I, I got nothing. I don't know. Jay-Z? I don't even understand the question. So it's a body part that ends in L-Y that you would use to welcome. No, the body part stage. doesn't. You do this with the body part. Like to welcome someone on stage. to welcome somebody on the stage. I mean, clap is the only thing about it. There's no L-Y there. I yeah, know. I got nothing, man. What is it? Heartily. Heartily. Oh, welcome somebody to the stage, man. That was okay. Rough. Get out of here. All right. Yeah. This is interesting. I don't know that we've ever gone this far without an answer. So here we go. Jay-Z, third round, advanced criminal law, a little poetry, U.S. presidents, of course I'm not breaking up with you, (laughs) music of today, or the last one is uh, around Philly with Ryan Long. Not that one. Jeez. Um, oh, man, not the music one of today. Uh, I forgot all the others. <laughs> so the second one. Do you want me to repeat them? Yeah. Advanced criminal law, a little poetry, no. U.S. presidents. Of course, I'm not breaking up with you. Music of today or around Philly with Ryan Long. It's gotta Let's be go. Up, right? Let's go presidents. Oh, man. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what's your what's, uh, one, two, three, four, or five? Yeah. Hey, because this is the last round, you can't go lower than three. Like, what? this one has no, to be a little bit. No, there's no such stop. rule. No, because he gets a no, go that's first. A that's wrong. I've heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> so let's go with uh, four. Okay. We're not trying to skirt it. A CNN headline said this man had taken 8,200 round trip train rides to Delaware. CNN train rides, Delaware. Uh, I I have no chance. I can't even think of a president from Delaware right now or why someone would go to Delaware. Certainly not in the age of CNN. So uh, let's go with uh, who is Taft. (laughs) okay uh uh let's let's do bill clinton man it was biden yes was it biden that's his hometown that's his home state right i I thought i know he was from pennsylvania i thought i don't know wow or we failed maybe i'm thinking like where he currently lives i thought he currently lived in delaware we failed miserably All right, so there's the final round then. All right, here we go. The category is World Landmarks built of more than 18,000 metal parts and two and a half million rivets. It was the world's tallest man-made structure from 1889 to 1930. Statue of Liberty. I have another guess. Okay, what is it? Does it work? Eiffel Tower. Joe wins. Man, the Eiffel Tower. Come on. 
Wow, that is the closest one we've had so far. We had to go. We we've gone tiebreaker before, but not because it was zero zero. Because <laughs> we were terrible. Yeah, that's amazing. You guys suck. Right? Oh, I mean, whoa! Did I say that? I thought I was muted. <laughs> Man. Meanwhile, if I was given any of these questions, I would just be a deer in headlights. I don't know. Good Lord, some of those hardly. Yeah, that was tough. I wonder what the breakup one was. I, I don't That's, think I've gotten it. That was the one that would have been most interesting. I think. Yeah, you're right. Dang, I tried. Uh, of course not. Do you want to hear just a question from it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah give okay. us one. So, question number one. Of course not, honey. Think of it as this feature at a play when you have 15 minutes to beat the line at the bar or bathroom. Oh, should have intermission. Won. Yeah. I would have gotten it. See, I could have won. I could have yeah. won, but now I'm on a zero game winning streak again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you win last time? No, I didn't. That's why I yeah. said I'm still on a zero game. Winning well, you streak. said again. So again. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> continuing that zero game winning okay. streak. All right. Okay. So back into it. Where we left off is exactly where Outlaw and Jay Z were headed, which is the reliability and metrics portion of open telemetry. So, telemetry, the actual term itself means it's data emitted from a system about its behavior in the form of metrics, so numbers, traces, or logs. Um, and we'll get to what's special about a trace here in a second. Uh, reliability. It's the system behaving the way, it, or is the system behaving the way it's supposed to? Meaning, not just that the thing's running, but is it actually doing what it is expected to do, right? You know, like going way, 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 way back uh, into the 90s, I remember uh, we had a, a, a server and we had a major outage. And part of the uh, the takeaway from it, like, you know, we didn't call it like a postmortem kind of thing at the time, but, um, you know, we were trying to figure out like, okay, well, what went wrong? And part of the pro part, part of the problem was that there was a script that one of the team members had written to verify like the status of things. Right. But all the script did was checked that the server responded on that port. Not that, mm -hmm. not that it was like what you expected their response to be from that port, but just that, Yep, I tried to reach that port and I got something back. Didn't did matter what it was that came back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's funny. I mean, we we say that, but it's real easy when you're just trying to get things in place to do things like that, right? Like, it's real easy to not go after what's real. It, it's, you know, hey, let me get the low-hanging fruit here. Is it still alive? Yeah. So that's why this one, like, hit a little home, bit home, you know, close to home for me. Because it was like, well, is it up and running? Well, yeah, technically it was up and running. It was it working? No. But it it responded like you could go to it and you'd get a response. It just wasn't what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So super important. Uh the next bit here is metrics. So when you talk about metrics, it's nothing more than numeric aggregations over a period of time about your application or infrastructure. Uh we have a few examples here. Uh CPU utilization, um error rates in your application, number of requests per second. Like there's tons and tons, you know, memory utilization, all kinds of things that you can do there. But again, it's just a number. Disk space, cough, cough. <laughs> not, not that we've seen that lately. Yeah. Um, all right. So SLI, we've, we've talked about several of these in previous episodes. I think when we were doing the G, uh, the Google um, site, reliability, site reliability engineering stuff. Easy for you to say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Um, so SLI, service level indicator, it's a measurement of a server's services behavior. This should be in the perspective of a user or customer, right? So I, even back when we were talking about this stuff uh, in terms of the Google thing, right? Like Google cloud storage, their, their SLIs were, you know, how from a user's perspective is your cloud storage available, right? Are you getting errors back when you make the request and all that kind of stuff? Right. So that's, that's your SLI. Um, or another one that they had as an example in their, in their docs for open telemetry was how fast a web page loads, right? As a user that impacts you, you're actually going to see it and feel it. SLO is the service level objective. This is the means of, a, of communicating the reliability to an organization or another team, right? So, imagine a customer wants to come up and say, Hey, is my, is my thing working? You might have a dashboard that shows them. Yeah. Everything's responding within one second or something, you know, who knows? So the page returns back in, uh, 300 milliseconds, but your objective is 200 milliseconds or less. So you're exceeding your objective. Right. Um, and then, Basically, they're just saying that you accomplish getting an SLO by attaching an SLI to a business value, right? So whatever you're trying to deliver to your customers. Now, this is where we start getting into the meat of what what OpenTelemetry is actually aiming to do. And this is distributed tracing. This goes back to what Outlaw was describing at the beginning of this. So before we get into exactly what it is, we got to talk about the various little pieces of it. So the first one is a log. And they define it really well. I actually like what they did in their documentation because it broke things down to very basic things that we all talk about, but we maybe don't give it as concise a definition. So a log is nothing more than a timestamp message emitted by an application. And you've seen it, right? I think Outlaw mentioned Apache logs earlier, right? If you go in there, you're going to have a time at the front of the, whatever the message is. And then you might have a few other pieces of information, like whether it was a post, a get, whatever URL it went to, and then maybe a time, right? That's a log. There's no context to it. It's just, this happened, right? This happened somewhere and is being spit out by the server. Now, yeah, what I mentioned too, I didn't see it in the notes, uh, so maybe I just missed it. But there, there's the notion of baggage. I don't know if you've come across that. Not, we haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's kind of cool. It's worth mentioning. So when you're, you know, dealing with kind of uh, logs or like just tracing stuff through your application, Open Telemetry and, and other similar um, things have the notion of baggage, which is like key value store. So you can kind of associate things like a ten ID or a user ID or. Or you can kind of tag uh, something in that that those set of tags. Your baggage is going to go along with everything uh, in the context of that particular trace. So you can like log the user ID with like uh, it's going to be tagged on like each uh, line that kind of rolls through there. And you can choose whether or not those tags propagate uh, onto the next service. So if you're talking about like distributed tracing and stuff, so that's kind of the, um, where some of the cool tracing stuff kind of gets involved. But I just thought it was kind of neat. I didn't see it under here, but I just wanted to call it out because I think that's something that's particularly cool. Yeah, so I think that's going to be when we start talking about the implementation of open telemetry, which will probably be the next episode. But yeah, that's that is what makes open telemetry so cool is it has features like that. So so that you kind of get them if you just use their framework, right, or their library. Um so one important thing to call out about a log versus a trace is the biggest difference is like I said a log is just hey this happened. There's no context around it. It just this is it. A trace 
is associated with either a request or some sort of transaction, right? So what Outlaw was talking about earlier, you know, a user makes a request to add an item to a shopping cart or something, right? That request gets sent to the server. Well, that is going to create the initial um, trace or log. And then everything that happens after that in a trace is going to be linked back to that original message, right? So that is the difference between a log message is just kind of standalone out there in the middle of the forest versus a trace is going to show you exactly how you got to where you're going. Um, traces and open telemetry are heavily used. That's how you actually find your way through what's happening in the application, right? Um, or actually, I'm sorry, the logs are heavily used. You've seen them everywhere, right? Everything has it. Even if you go into your cloud, uh, if you're in Azure, AWS, or, or G Cloud, whatever, if you go up there, they have tons of logs. They don't necessarily tell you anything that, that you can do anything with. You might see that there was an error, but now you're going to have to go track it down, right? So logs are used all over the place by everybody, and but they're not always the most helpful thing. Um. Now, this is where they introduce a new keyword that is that makes sense. So they say logs become much more useful when they become a part of a span or when they're correlated with the trace and a span. So they define span as a unit of work or operation, right? So if you think about that request that the user made to add something to the cart, that is a particular request, right? But the whole operation, and this is what's important, they, they sort of touch on it in their docs, but they don't go deep on it. A user working inside a shopping cart is sort of like a whole set of operation, right? Like there's all kinds of things that happen in there, and the final operation might be checking out. But you can correlate not just a single request, right? Like add something to a cart. You can correlate everything. So call it like a, a, a shopping cart session ID, right? So everything a user does while they're in a cart session, every request they make is going to have that session ID on it. So you can actually tie an entire string of requests together, right? Each request is going to have its path that goes down, but you can actually tie all those together and see what happened for the entire operation. So the the key point here is, you can actually trace an operation across multiple user requests if you'd like to do that, as well as being able to trace a single request through multiple paths in a system. It doesn't have to just be system generated or system acting, I guess is what I'm trying to get at here. Well, it almost sounds like we're making the different, the distinction between like, Oh, a request ID. Like I did this one thing. And I want to trace that one request through the system versus the session ID, right? Where like, here's the whole body of things you might've done over the course of some period of time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which could involve so, multiple requests. Totally. And technically they're both basically doing the same thing, right? You're just doing it at a different level. One's like maybe a request to a server. The other one's like multiple requests from a user um, right. in the same session or whatever. So um, let's see. So yeah, a span tracks the operations that a request makes, meaning it helps paint a picture of what all happened during the span of that request or operation. Um, by open telemetry standards, it contains a name, some time-related data, some structured log messages, and other metadata or attributes. And so they, they had an example of some of the other metadata 
And this is something like uh, the server that was requested or the IP address that the request came from or the browser that it came from, whatever, right? Like there's all kinds of things that can be added as attributes that you want to track along with this. Now, this is similar to what Jay-Z was talking about with the baggage in that when you put this on here, it kind of follows the request, right? Like there's no reason for you in every step of your application to log out the same information over and over and over. You can put those attributes in there. And as that thing's traced throughout the application, those attributes come along for the ride. So like server's IP or the user's IP address, user's browser, things like that. Unless you're in GDPR and then you don't, you never track the IP address ever. <laughs> Maybe, but no, yes, you're, you're right. Yes. It all goes along for the ride with, with the span that's being done. Right. Um, all right. So a distributed trace it's the same thing as a trace. It records a path taken for a user um, as it passes through various services in a distributed multi-service architecture like mul- like microservices or service applications. So this is important to, pop- to call out, right? If you have your own thing, you're doing your own microservices, you have a bunch of things running in Kubernetes per se or whatever, you can set this stuff up in there. You can also do this on serverless apps like AWS Lambdas or Azure Functions or what's what's the Google one called? I can't even remember. Is it Google Functions? You know, I don't I don't even know if they have it. Yeah, I'm sure they, it'd be silly if they didn't. You asked that question and I'm like, you know, I don't know it either, but they call them cloud functions. Okay. So so they do have it. Um but you can do the same type thing across them. So you can see what's happening from when something triggered to when it hit a function, whatever. So just know that can be tremendously helpful. Now they call it out and obviously they're going to, because there's, they're selling their product. I say selling it's open source. You're not paying anything for it, but tracing is is essential for distributed systems because of the non-deterministic nature of the application or the fact that they're just really hard to reproduce locally. I can pretty confidently say all three of us have experienced that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when did this thing hit that service, and when did it get returned from it, and then when did it hit this other service, and, oh, by the way, how long did it take in each part, right? Like, it called those three microservices. Which one of those ate up the most time? Like, all those things in a traditional logging world where you're just logging things from those various services nightmare. Oh, it's impossible. Total you can't, nightmare. you cannot stitch everything together. Well, because that, yeah, it's um, the thing to kind of build your own where like you start having a transaction ID and you, now you're starting to carry between services and stuff. If you've ever started doing that, like just know that you've kind of like a very tippy tippy. <laughs> I don't know. Sticking barely tipping your toe and <laughs> tippy toe. Uh, into the open tracing uh, or sorry, open telemetry world. Well, that's why I yeah. made the the call out earlier about like, if you were looking through this log and you were trying to trace the, you're trying to like piece things together by only the timestamp. That was like your only key yeah. to mm-hmm. it. And you know, Oh my God, the environments where like the, the servers weren't set to be on the same time zone and they weren't synchronized yep. or even if they right. were in the same time zone, but they weren't synchronized, synchronized, you know, yes. Oh man, you're like trying to do the math in your head, like, or, you know, follow along in the math. You'd have to put some spreadsheet together, like, okay, so this server is in Eastern, but he's 15 minutes off. And it would never be like a clean 15 minutes. It'd always be like, okay, he's, 
he's 14 minutes and 37 seconds behind this other one's right. system clock. So I have to like translate all of these logs into that. Yeah. You know what? It also reminds me of that too. Like speaking of tippy toes, have you ever, uh, we should, uh, here's a never have I ever, never have I ever put logging in my methods and or classes where it said start and end all oh, right in my methods. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, and I remember too, like trying to do some of this back in the you know days of like where, uh, especially like C plus plus kind of days where in my constructor and destructors, I might like, you know, put something in there like for, for logging purposes to test it, you know, but I generally tried to, as a general rule of thumb, I hated doing anything in a constructor that might, or even a destructor, anything that might have the chance of throwing a exception. But I do recall times where like, you know, okay, I'm a memo. It's in here. Like let's just temporarily put it in and figure out like what's going on. I want to trace this thing through. Right. And that's, I think that's the key is what he was just talking about. And if you don't totally follow what he's saying, where the clocks aren't synchronized, just imagine you have a server that's, you know, you have two servers, one of them for whatever reason is 30 seconds behind the other one on its clock. And now you're trying to correlate the logs from one server to another, and you can't do it because everything's like pushed out of, out of sync mentally for you. It's, I mean, it's insane. That's part of what this is trying to solve. Just uh, here's the real world of it. Uh, turn, go, go set your phone and or watch to, you know, to where they don't synchronize anymore and then set your clock to where you're 14 minutes and 37 seconds behind the current time and then see how long it takes before your significant other is constantly mad at you for always being late. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible. (laughs) It really is impossible. But so the whole point of this thing right here is tracing makes it easy to understand and troubleshoot these problems because they break down what happens as it's flowing through the system and then it correlates them, right? Like that's, that is the whole key to this. Instead of you as a person trying to go gather the logs from 10 different places and stitch them together, this does that. Um, a trace is made of one or more spans. So the first one, like I mentioned earlier, it's actually called the root span. So imagine you made that request to add something to a shopping cart. The very first endpoint that that thing hits, it's going to create this root span that is now going to be the parent of anything else that happens. Now, there can be more spans that are added. So that will be the cha- the the parent of any child spans that come in and then those child spans could also spawn off more child spans it doesn't there's no limit to it right but it's just depending on how you depend you start adding data to these things as they come through and trace through the system okay so if i were to equate span to session right i could have i could have a span that represents the entire session but inside of that giant span there would be like okay well here is the one span for the action where you you authenticated here's another span where you added something to your shopping cart here's another span where you initiated the checkout and each and inside of each one of those three there'd be like a whole series of other uh traces that i did for that particular request totally i mean just imagine like the add to shopping cart right like it maybe it's calling a microservice to make sure that there's inventory uh, and then that's going to be a span, right? There may be, there's another one that goes and I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I can't think of anything else right now. Well, whatever. Uh, so a verifies the credit card. Like, um, 
There you There's go. There's a like one problem I had uh, like a million years ago at another job where uh, it's like updating the address would fail sometimes. We never knew what was going on. We go check it out. You know, go go through checkout, change the address. It's fine. You go into like my profile, change the address. It's fine. But somehow we're still getting these errors because of no fields when you're changing address. Like, what's going on? Well, if we had tracing uh, at the time, we would have instantly seen, like, hey, that's funny. The There's not a span here for coming from the checkout. There's not one coming from the address. There's some third-party API that we kind of forgot about that was uh, mm-hmm. customer service was using to change addresses. And it's missing some field that we added a month ago. And it's not used that often because people don't usually, you know, call to change their addresses for a website. But it happens just enough and customer service is having a hard time doing it. And that's the kind of thing that could be a mystery for months that's just instantly solved when you have information like this. Well, wow, that's that's amazing. Um, so here's one of the things that's that's really cool about this is when you start creating these spans and, and they're attached – you can visualize it now with tools that tools like open telemetry provide. I have a link here to the page where they actually show one, but it's basically called a waterfall. And if you've ever looked in Chrome debug tools or anything like that, you can actually see request waterfalls, right? And this is very similar to that, right? So it will actually show you the root span, then any child spans. And then if they branch off, right, do things in parallel, then you'll have multiple spans that are sitting beside each other in this, in this waterfall view. Yeah, it, so, it looks uh, as soon as I clicked on that link, I was like, oh, yeah, this looks exactly like what you would see in in the uh, debugger. Yeah, the Chrome requesting is it's it's identical. So that's all that is the groundwork to sort of tell you exactly what the pieces are to allow you to actually do tracing. So in in the next episode where we continue the open telemetry we'll actually talk about some of the specifics and what open telemetry actually provide you as an application developer. So like the things like what you were talking about with the, um, the baggage, right? That kind of stuff. We'll get into it. So you'll actually know why you want to use this and what it's going, how it's going to make your life way better. Especially if you live in a world where you have more than just a three tier architecture, although it can be helpful there as well, because you can, you don't have to think of traces and spans just being things that are running across microservices. They can be things that run through 10 methods within your application as it's going down and doing different things, right? So you can get benefits no matter what type of app you're running. So yeah, with that, we'll have some, uh, some links that we like some resources and stuff that will be in here. And uh, I think now, we head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. I'm wondering, hey, do you have one outlaw? Are you kidding me? <laughs> of course I do. I, I just I'm a professional, sir. <laughs> I come to the show prepared to talk business, and business is my game. I like it. I like it. Well, I was kind of hoping that outlaw wouldn't because I, I kind of wish he would read my tip. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you up for it? Uh, yeah, sure. I've got a little script here. Here you go. Okay. So am I, am I doing, oh, there is only the one part. No, there's multiple You've got parts all the parts, actually. All, all of them. Oh, well, two, no, somebody. Two, two characters. Okay. Okay. Trust me. Yeah, you got both characters. There's a narrator and a user. All right, okay. here we go. Ted TBT worked very hard on this, by the way. <laughs> all right, here we go. Hey there, Windows wizards. Tired of those unruly apps playing hopscotch in your task manager? Well, hold on to your seats because we've got the magical trick you've been waiting for. 
as the camera zooms in on a hand dramatically holding a control key. Introducing the control key cha-cha. Just hold down that trusty control key while gazing at your task manager and watch those misbehaving apps freeze like deer in headlights. No more app jumping shenanigans. It's time to dance to your tune. Cut to a satisfied user with a thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to the control key cha-cha, I've got the power to keep those apps in line. Is that legit? It's legit. So how many times have you hit uh, control alt delete task manager and you go to like (laughs) shut down (laughs) amazing job, by the way, that was perfect. That was exactly like I imagined. No way I could pull that off. Uh, So you open up the task manager and you go to like shut down a process and you click and oh, it, because it moved, you clicked on the wrong one and uh, you're chasing after it and you go click and you you, you know, you finally chase it down, but it's a pain in the butt because those things are jumping around based on whatever you got it sorted by. Turns out if you hold the control key, it just freezes. I never you can just knew, man. Slip what you want? Yeah, me either. That's amazing. Like, don't you feel silly now for how many times you like chase trying to like shut down, you know, Chrome or whatever it is, like the crypto hacker, you know? You you know what's so amazing about that is there's going to be somebody who's going to be like, well, you just sort it by alphabet alphabetizer. That's not true. No. It doesn't work there either. It still yeah, bounces it around. Yeah, because new things start up and, and whatever. Exactly. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. So yeah, I used to try to sort by various things in order to slow it down. Uh, but yeah, ultimately stuff was still jumping around. So yeah, control works as well as on Twitter. Uh, I don't know who it was that tweeted. I just kind of saw it. It had like a million retweets. So, uh, yeah, that, that's it. And chat this, GPT wrote a commercial for me. This, <laughs> this deserved a million retweets. This is amazing. Yeah. I, I'll never forget it. I'm going back to windows now. <laughs> that's all uh, it took. That's right. Okay. One, one convincing, uh, commercial read and you're like, yes. Yeah. All right. So Control key cha-cha. I actually had things that that happened to me or I stumbled across this week that I thought was interesting because it seems like I never actually oh, uh, yes. have anything cool. So um Dang, first just steal this one. No, just kidding. <laughs> so if if IntelliJ is being a dog for you, if you happen to be programming in Java or whatever, I have a link here. It's from 2021, but it's mostly still the same type stuff. Uh, ways to improve your IDE's performance. And it's everything from uh, increasing the RAM, which, by the way, is buried in the most bizarre place in IntelliJ. You have to go to the help menu and modify your RAM settings there. Like, that that makes no sense to me. Um, but at any rate, they have all kinds of things in here. Um, disable unnecessary plugins, some some common sense stuff. Some maybe not so common sense. Um, but at any rate, Take a look through that. It's pretty good. The next one, this one, this one completely caught me off guard. So uh, do you guys do this? Like you're in a file, you're doing code. And if you see like an orange tick over on the right side where it's like giving you a warning, like it just bothers me. Like I want those gone. And I moused over this one. I had a a logging.trace message. And the thing about Kotlin is it's amazing with string interpolation. So just think JavaScript where they use the back ticks and you can do interpolation inside the string. Kotlin has that as well, except you don't have to put those silly back ticks. You can just use regular quotes. But it was, it was complaining at me that in my logging, I was using string interpolation. And, and you could go up there and say, you know, quick action, fix it. And it would turn it into a string template. The same garbage that we've seen from C++ back in the day or however far back it goes where, you know, print, 
instead of putting name there, you'd have like a percent, right? And then a comma outside of it, and then the variable that it's going to replace. It's a similar type syntax, but they call that a string template. Well, I was about to go in and just disable the thing. So I went to the settings and I looked at it and they had a warning message there that said, when you do string interpolation, even if you don't have tracing enabled for your logging output, it's going to evaluate that statement every time. I don't know exactly what it's doing in the compiler that makes that so, but by changing it to a string template to where you're not actually interpolating those variables inside the string, it'll completely skip it and won't cause any additional processing during the running of the application. So, so wait, say that again. Even if it was, even if it was never going to execute it, you said correct. So if you had your logging level at info, it was still going to process that trace message, even though it wasn't going to actually run it, it was going to process it. Right. Um, whereas if you do the string template instead, it just wipes it out completely. I'm guessing, um, I I don't know. I don't know what kind of optimization I didn't go look at the byte code or anything, but it was interesting that that was the thing. And so that is why it was giving me the, the little yellow uh, mark on the side. Yeah, I guess it makes sense that like if you have an argument as a string and you're doing some interpolate, interpolation in there, it's going to interpolate that string before it passes to the function. So yeah. even if the first line of that function is, hey, if tracing is not on, get out of here, it's still doing that that uh, interpolation and figuring out those variables and stuff. So uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, maybe not a big deal if your application is not doing a lot. If you're in a streaming world, every little bit of performance matters, right? So you, you kind of want to optimize you know, maybe you don't want to go to the craziest micro optimizations, but this one kind of makes sense to me. All right. And the last one. So we all three love.net. I haven't done a lot of it in of late, but one of the things that I really liked about it was the using statements on closables, right? Or I think it was closables is what they were called. Uh, disposables, disposables in.net. So Java has something similar. They have closables. Well, in Kotlin, I was trying to use a .use statement, which is similar to the using in .NET, around a closable, and it wouldn't work. Like it just it kept telling me there was an error. Well, I dug into the class that I was trying to to do the use on, and it turns out Java has another notion called auto closable. And what it's supposed to do is Java is smart enough, or, or I guess these types of classes are smart enough that if you use the try with resources pattern in Java, when you're done with your try, it'll auto close that object for you, right? So it's so I, I guess it's a feature of Java 7 and up. Well, the reason why it wouldn't work for me is by default, and if you didn't know this about Kotlin, it was news to me, it targets Java 6. So it doesn't know about, nor will it do anything for you for any auto-closables because those were available starting in 7. So if you actually need to use a use on something that's an auto-closable class, you have to include the Kotlin stdlib-jdk7 or 8 in order for that feature to be picked up. And then you could do a dot use on your auto closable objects and it'll work just fine. So uh, yeah, three, three little buried interesting things that I ran across this past week. 
And I'll, I'll get a link in there for that. Weird. Okay. I mean, cause you want it to just work, right? I mean, now I'm yeah. like thinking as you're describing, I'm like, Oh gosh, do I have to go double check all my code where I was using a use to make sure that like, no, do I it'll, have that it'll throw an error. JD it'll throw an oh, error. it will. Okay. Yeah. I so thought you were saying that it just it. didn't. It, no, it threw like it was showing in in the IDE that my code was broken, and I'm like, no, it's okay, not. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Um. So, in the spirit of the man page conversation that we had before, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Tom in our Slack channel shared tldr.sh. So there is a project out there called TLDR Pages where it's a community driven effort to simplify this. So rather than going into like being super verbose with the pages, like the man pages tend to be, it's just examples of like, Oh, so you can, you could do like TLDR tar, for example, is one of the things that they show on their, on their page. And, and it will just say like, okay, here's an example where you create an archive and write it to a file. And so you see the, you know, they even call out like, um, you know how like you'd have the the parameters like C, for example, right? And so it very specifically like brackets in the sentence, like create an archive, like C is bracketed to let you know, like that's why you're passing that parameter C is to create, right? Um, uh, things like that. So, and there's a whole slew of commands. Now, um, it is, like I said, it is community driven. So like I was trying it on some because I was like, oh, I wonder if like Kafka Cuddle is in there, right? Like, um, you know, but so not all of them are in there, obviously. The only downside, I hope this this effort takes off because I do super like this. Uh, just, you know, cut to the chase. Just give me the examples. The downside is that the current stable version that they recommend you use requires NPM. So the process to install this, like you have to install 8 billion dependencies uh, before you even get to use it. Um but once you do, it is it is super cool uh, to use. So um, the first time it can be a little bit, or if you hit it with a command that it doesn't know, uh, it'll be a little bit long because it'll be like, oh, let me go update my cache. And then you'll wait a bit for it. So that's why I'm where I'm hoping like, you know, we get something that maybe isn't NPM driven. That's like just part of the operating system, kind of like how the man pages were. But I, I love the concept and the idea. So, uh, that is my tip of the week. Thank you, Tom, for that. Now, um, Jay-Z has done this before to us, and I say he's done this to us, so, you know, because I said that on purpose. (laughs) So, uh, you know how, Jay-Z, you like to share tips of the week that would be like, hey, uh, here's something to code by. Here's music to code by. And, like, there'll be, like, some, you know, 27 hour long YouTube channel of like not, you know, nonstop uh, music and everything. Well, I just learned that the one Mr. Kirk Hammett, whose name you might be familiar with, released a solo album called Portals. And it's an instrumental uh, album that it's only four tracks, but each track is like, you know, six, seven minutes in the spirit of Metallica, they're long, but, um, it's super cool. And, 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 you know, don't think of it as like, 
you know, oh, well, it's going to be just another Metallica because it's really not. So I was reading some of the backstory on this and um, he is a huge collector of like uh, horror movie type memorabilia. Right. So if you've ever seen some of his guitars, even like there's the white zombie guitar and the mummy guitar, which are, uh, you know, the, the designs on them are specific to those those old movies from like the thirties or whatever, you know, something like that. Um, and so he has, he has a lot of, you know, he has this huge collection. So he was doing, he wanted to showpiece it or showcase it in a, in like a museum kind of showing his collection. And he wanted music for the, the showing, but he thought, you know, what would be super cool is like, what if we were to like create some music that is kind of like, horror movie type uh soundtrack kind of stuff but i don't want to be something you've already heard so he went off and created and he got with um like one of the i think the producer or the conductor was like you know they've done several they've done two different symphony of metallica albums right so the most recent one he worked with uh, one of the guys from that effort to um uh help create this thing so so my point being is like there's there's more instruments in it than it's going to sound more soundtrack ish than Metallica ish, but yet you definitely hear Kirk Hammett's uh well known like you know style of of bluesy wah kind of soloing, so it's oh, super excellent. cool. And I thought, well, okay, I mean, in the spirit of things, right? Because if if we're going to talk about that, then you know one would also appreciate in the similar type of setting, um, John Petrucci, who you might be aware of his album. This one's a little bit older, but terminal velocity, I thought kind of falls in that same type of idea of, let me just throw something on in the background so I can listen. I want to listen to something in the background. That's really cool. Uh, as I, you know, go about my coding day. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So I thought you'd appreciate that. Very cool. Yeah. So that's it. That's the show. And we're done. <laughs> no. Oh, can't. I got to do it. I got to say all the stuff, huh? You got to say, hey, we didn't do it at the top. We got to do it at the bottom. Nobody's going to make it here anyway, so we should be good. Yeah, that's why we're done. Right. No, we got to do it anyways. It's, it's a must. So you've already subscribed to us, probably, maybe on Spotify or iTunes. So good on you. Right? You did. You did good. And if you, if you didn't, and you're hearing this shame on you, like, yeah, we want to ring the bells. We're going to walk down the street. Shame, shame. All right. But if you have, if you have only left us a single review, now is your chance to correct that, uh, that mistake in your life. You can head to www.codingblocks.net slash review, uh, where you can find some helpful links there. Yeah. Hey, and while you're up there at codingblocks.net, make sure you check out our show notes. We have all kinds of good ones there, examples, discussions, and more. Hey, and if you have not been to our Slack group, you should check out codingblocks.net slash Slack. And hey, um, make sure to follow us on X. I don't know. Is it x.com? I'm not even going there. It is. It is is x.com. Well, it'll redirect you to twitter.com. Oh, it did. Okay. But I have a feeling that, that it's not, I suspect that, we're going to see it eventually change the 
the primary yeah. URL to X.com. I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous. Yeah, yeah I don't better. really understand what's going on, but I'm not talking about the drug. I'm talking about the website, X.com. Yeah. We've got an account there still, I think, at Coinbucks. Yep. X will give it to you. <laughs> and we're, uh, and that's where you can uh, get sneak peeks on some of these tips. Like, uh, for example, we control cha-cha key. <laughs> that's so amazing. That might be my favorite tip so far in 216 episodes. <laughs> Wait, really? Dude. I can't really? tell you how many times I've gotten really irritated trying to kill Task. <laughs> I just gave you like a horror genre of music. Like, I mean, it was good. It was good, but it wasn't. Wow, it wasn't crowd. control cha cha. Good crowd, tough crowd. Yeah, and that the ad read was just amazing. It was good. It was I, good. I oversold it. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> it's too good. All right, let me. Hello, dear listener. Have you ever wanted to listen to horror music in the background as you work? Would you too like to be scared while you're doing your job? Check out the new album from Kirk Hammett, Portals. No. That's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was good. just making that up on the fly. Yeah. Maybe I should do this for a little I'm yeah. just kidding. Oh, you missed your window. ChatGPT is pretty good at it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Yeah, you could have. You could have. Dang.